The reaction to our new Edgar Ambassador Carly Booth has been terrific and thank you to all of those who have reached out to us about the appointment. We're looking forward to seeing Carly play the next couple of weeks at the Aberdeen Standard Investments Ladies Scottish Open and the following week at the AIG Women's Open. So good luck Carly and we're watching you closely. In this episode you'll hear about yesterday's opening shot in the training of our Edgar Advocate team from our Head of Development, Mark Taylor. Francis Robertson from the RNA and Wagger fills us in on the current position around the restart of the WR4GD. We launch our much-anticipated How I Play series, and as always, we play a short clip from this week's Ping Profile, which features Tom Beard from England. So let's get to episode 17 of the Edgar Golfer's First podcast. The Edgar Advocate programme is now up and running with the first training session having already taken place, with the Women's Advocate programme being supported by the RNA and the Men's programme being supported by the Ryder Cup European Development Trust. All of us at Edgar are very appreciative. The Edgar Head of Development, Mark Taylor, and myself conducted the virtual training, which was very well received and is the first of several. I spoke with Mark, who gave the following update. Great, Tony. Thanks for getting back to us. Yeah, we're very happy to have launched the Edgar Advocate program, utilising some of our, our players, our existing golfers, to become advocates of Edgar and disability golf around the world. So I think we've made a great start. It's been a very opportune time for us during COVID to actually pull this together and start to utilise some of our in-player resources and hopefully make an impact within the federations and the clubs and, and bring more more disabled golfers to the game. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what that Edgar Advocate training looked like? Yeah, the session, uh, initially, we're trying to plan four sessions for the Advocate training, of course, all virtually at this stage. And I think that's the key with our Advocate program is that we're able to train our advocates or these these individual players virtually and give them the opportunity also to have a virtual means of communication and collaboration with their respective federations across the world and start to get access virtually to some clubs, uh, some national disability organizations or outreach projects where they can start to have conversations with people in rehabilitation centers, maybe outside of golf and start to give them some first contact golf. So it was good to give them an overview of Edgar, where we are and what we do. And um, it's a very very exciting time in uh, getting this this training complete and hopefully getting some delivery on the ground in these respective countries in uh, in by the beginning of September or through September. Great. So what's next for the advocates? What's the next part of their training? Well, as I just alluded to, the initial session was to give them an overview of the program to highlight some of the expectations and, and to manage what they think they've got to do. Uh, but more importantly, I think the second session is going to be around giving them the resources they need and the training they need to um, to deliver those resources, which if we talk about our EGGA 359, which is our participation club and semi-social or semi-competitive social family friends playing model um, at club level. I think the EGGA 3 model is going to allow them to access these facilities, which don't have any contact with golf within their respective countries and federations. And so our next stage is to really get them up to speed with the Edgar 3 participation program. We're going to supply them also with some equipment so they're, 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 they're fully kitted out to, to deliver to physiotherapists, to golf clubs. And also, I think there's, there's that side of it, but also 
we've got an opportunity for them to stand up in front of people, uh, stand up with their federations, um, speaking to national their national disability organisations, and, and actually tell their story. Uh, we've used a lot of their stuff from the, the Edgar profiles, um, and they're going to create their own presentation, which is going to allow them to tell their story. And I think when we do get to the point of delivery, uh, they're far better placed at standing in front of people than I would be, because they have that empathy. People can they can share their story, uh, and I think they are very well placed um, at that at that first entry level of um, participation and 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 getting people to to try golf with a disability. So I guess to summarise this, this is really for each of the advocates about training them, providing equipment, the resources, the other resources that are required, support from Edgar. And of course, we have to thank the RNA who are supporting the women's side of the advocate programme and also the Ryder Cup European Development Trust who are supporting the men's side of the advocate programme. And I guess one of the real big advantages of this programme is that everything will be done in the home language. Absolutely, yeah. This is one of the keys that you and I discussed is it's very important that we have that linguistic element to it, that we can transfer the key languages uh, across our programs. And as, a, as opposed to having translators or, or limited understanding, maybe if we were to deliver it in English, that we, we actually get to these countries and get to these people in their, in their own language. So that, that's become a very strong part of the program. It's also allowed us to work individually. There'll be a lot of individual support with the EDVA advocates, the, the development team will take on hand. We will providing ongoing support for them individually and also linking them up to their federation. So we've started collectively, but I think that moving forward, um, we'll have an opportunity to work with them individually, set up a good program, get their feedback, review some case studies and start to use that to grow the program even further in the future. Brilliant. Well, thanks for your work, Mark, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Tony. Speak soon. Take care. Although the PGA Tour, European Tour and LPGA Golf have been playing for a few weeks, other international events are still just emerging. The Ladies European Tour starts this week and some of the leading amateur events are beginning to open up again. As competitive golf makes a slow but steady step, the world ranking for golfers with disability is also ready to restart. Francis Robertson from the RNA and WAGA was on the line and filled me in with the current position on the restart of the WR4GD. So let's hear from Francis. Hi, Francis. It's great to have you on here today. And you're from the RNA and from WAGA. And I just really wanted, if you wouldn't mind, to try and fill in the current position that we have on restarting of the WR4GD. So what can you let the players know, Francis? Hi, Tony. It's great to get a chance to speak to you and obviously pass on the message to the players. And what we've looked at is the method by which we could take into account events that have been played during this pause period when, obviously, with the COVID restrictions, travel and play wasn't accessible in all areas. And to utilize that information, allow those results to go through, but not to disadvantage players. So what we did at the beginning was we put a pause, a stop on the events falling off the end of the players' rankings at 104 weeks, which has allowed players to play in events 
benefit the points. And now we've all we've had a look at the number of events and where they've been played around the world. And it seems appropriate to restart the what we call the aging process, to restart the 104-week cycle, whereby events will start to fall off at the end of a player's rankings. Now, how we're going to deal with the events that have taken place during this pause, which were really from week 15 to the release, which will be next week, week 32. And the best way to think about it, or what we thought is, we're going to call that a super week, in that all the events that take place within that time period will be treated equivalent to one week. So in 104 weeks' time in the future, when it is due time for the events for week 32 to fall off, all the events from week 15, 2020, to week 32, 2020, will all come off in a one Now, we've done it that way so that the players will get the benefit of those that have been able to play, and there's no disadvantage to the players that have not been able to play during this time. We've had a look to see who's played in those events. And as far as we can see, there isn't any one or two players that have played in so many events that will be a disadvantage to them in 104 weeks' time in the future. So that basically is kind of the gist of it. Well, that makes, that makes sense to me. I understand that very well. And would it be fair then to summarise that in two years' time, plus or minus this week, because obviously week 32 might be slightly different in two years' time. That's right. That one could expect that 15 to 32 of 2020 will just fall off the end. That's correct. All the events that have taken place within that super week, week 15 to 32, will all come off in 104 weeks in the future from week 30 to 2020. Wow, that's great. And I think it's, it's self-explanatory. I like it. And obviously we've been having the, the discussions over the last few weeks between Wagger and Edgar and making sure that we're trying to do the best that we can for the players. So thank you very much for that clarification, Francis. It's perfect. No worries at all. Yeah, that, that really is all we're trying to do is to try and give players that are able to play the benefit of it, not disadvantage players that can't play, and just to try and find a system that's going to work fairly for everybody. Great. Well, thanks again. No worries. Thank you. Well, Edgar, are delighted to be able to launch Season 1 of the How I Play series of educational tools. The series came about from the recognition that there was a general lack of knowledge for potential and existing players, along with coaches who are new to golfers with disabilities. In each session, I call on highly skilled coaches who can add their insights to help bring the discussions within easy reach of all players, regardless of ability. Four seasons of How I Play are now available, each with six players, and together they provide a comprehensive map of impairments commonly found amongst golfers with a disability. We'll drip these out over the next several months. But for now, you can find the How I Play series on the Edgar website at www.edgargolf.com. The How I Play resources are freely available to provide knowledge and inspiration 
while demystifying the landscape of golf for the disabled. Edgar has also developed an education pathway which includes further resources for those keen to introduce or coach golfers with disability. Additionally, together with the International Golf Federation, the IGF, Edgar has created a qualification specification for those who are actively involved in the golf coaching profession, where qualified coaches or PJ professionals can evidence their coaching skills and knowledge and be recognised. Every fortnight, Edgar publishes a ping profile, and this week we share the story of Tom Beard from England. Here's a short excerpt from a recent interview. Well, luckily, my dad was a, a great help with that. I mean, he was there for me throughout the tough times when I couldn't get out on the golf course. So, for instance, he used to turn me around on a buggy a lot of the time, obviously. So he'd drop me out and I'd hit, I'd hit the ball and keep me going. And it was more just to keep me in the loop. I, I mean, I would be away from the golf course, you know, months at a time because of operations. Um one of which the biggest operations that I used to have was called an Elizaroff frame. So an Elizaroff frame is the pin work going through your bone infrastructure and connected to, it can only imagine being like a giant Meccano set and you would turn the different bolts each day. And I had three of those, two on my right, one on my left. To, that was the biggest change to my feet. So probably from the age of five till I was nine, they were on my feet and that was the biggest change for me so probably from nine onwards was where I could finally stand up and fully swing the club um, and and finish as well and not really fall over so that was a big thing for me to try and I think my dad did, did the right thing with trying to keep me playing even though I was maybe in pain or couldn't stand up properly the, the fundamentals were still happening so yeah I was that, that was the sort of transition I had to make. So all that remains for me to say is I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Edgar Golfers First podcast. If you'd like to know more about Edgar or keep up with what we are doing, then you can find us on social media. We are on Facebook at European Disabled Golf Association. On Instagram, we are Edgar underscore golf. And on Twitter, we can be found at Edgar Golf.